Hello and you're very welcome to this week's edition of the Me Chronicle Sports Podcast Talk A Good Game. I'm an extremely hoarse and still marginally hungover Fergal Lynch and I'm joined in studio today by the equally excited and thrilled, of course, for all Liverpool supporters, Jimmy Gagan. Jimmy, very welcome. Well, not quite accurate there, uh, Fergal. No, I am you're slightly the, hungover. The, yeah, you are <laughs> when you talk about me there, but uh, look... Uh, Abdullah, I was well. I was pleased in one way that they won. Yeah, of course, yeah. There's a lot of Liverpool supporters around, and they, they certainly lit up the place on on Saturday night afterwards. And you were one of those, I think, uh, singing well into the night, Fergal. I'd say. Yeah, yeah. We had a very good night, and uh, capped off then, of course, by Katie Taylor winning, uh, unifying the the all the belts and be- becoming the unified world champion. In a some said it was a controversial defeat, you know. But boxing matches or fights like this don't just you can't just score them on the last three or four rounds. You have to look at the previous six or seven that went before it. And uh, while Katie Taylor has been maligned in a lot of places for uh, saying that she was lucky or that she didn't deserve her victory, I thought uh, she dominated the fight early on and looked very comfortable early on and landed a lot of the more accurate shots and, and the better shots. And uh, uh, Delphine Pursun came out in the last couple of rounds and fairly battered her all right. But... Uh, well, you know, Katie stood there and, and took it, took everything that was thrown at her. We, so, we, we've uh, seen uh, Irish boxers uh, in the past, so many of them have uh, been uh, edged out by unfair decisions. So uh, Conlon, I, I'm, I'm thinking yeah, of pres- the most, yeah. in, in the Olympic Games there, you know, a, a completely outrageous decision that uh, I think has transformed. They've, they've had to carry a lot of reforms in amateur boxing. But yeah, so I, I did a, a bit night. of boxing myself in the, in the oh, day. Jesus, Fergus, so you won't we'll go back to that. <laughs> you're a mead miner, you're a trial. No, no, I trial. Yeah. Mine, a bit of soccer. I played soccer. I played a lot of soccer. Sounds a bit like Ray Darcy now, and I played a little bit of rugby. No, no never, played, never rugby. played rugby. Never no, played rugby. So you did Champions though. League. <laughs> anyway, well, we won't go yeah, there. We, won't, we definitely won't go there. Yeah. Okay. So Champions League was it a penalty? Fergal, it was a nailed-on penalty. Why? So why are some people debating this? I don't know. I don't know. I because I, I saw a picture. Now off it uh, the next day and it, and, and which was mo- and in the paper which is probably more it, it just further emphasised it, it. it further emphasised it it was a nail on and I can't understand I I was thinking afterwards why is people yeah I, I must say now I'm not a, a Liverpool fan I but, know but I, 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 neither am I an A B L either but um, at the same <laughs> okay. but at the same time look it, it was no doubt uh, Sissoko wasn't it you know and it was a penalty yeah uh, where was he going with his arm up exactly, in the air yeah. wandering into the box okay and then you have the conspiracy theorists saying that Mane flicked the ball or aimed it at his arm directly okay caught him in the chest but rolled down the arm if you put your arms out like that in the penalty box UEFA and FIFA are trying to make this a black and white rule if you handle the ball in the penalty box it's a penalty Okay, it's harsh. He didn't handle it deliberately. It wasn't a, a deliberate effort to prevent the ball from going across the box or prevent a goal-scoring opportunity. So from that aspect, you can say it was harsh. But the letter of the law is, you know, handle the ball inside the area, penalty. And then people are complaining then that it was a bad game. And it was a bad game. And they're saying Liverpool had less amount of possession. But Liverpool didn't need the possession. Stifling heat, they just got 1-0 up. Said, you know what? We're happy enough with this. Let them have the ball. Very on Liverpool like, I thought, you know, the the way their cautious approach to. I don't know if it was cautious. It was more controlled and measured, I thought. I thought they Mm. they just controlled the game. And 
You know, everybody's saying, oh, Becker made seven or eight good saves. But there were saves you would have made yourself, Jimmy. But what we've seen from Liverpool is, it, you know, the, the goal, a goal up early on, they still go pushing for more, to yeah, look for two, three, four. That's just, that's been the way yeah, under a club. But a Champions League final, you go goal up earlier on, you, early on, you don't take risks. Um, especially against an opposition that they knew so well and knew that a, a, not even a half-fit Harry Kane wasn't going to be a serious threat. Liverpool could just sit back uh let them have the ball, let them pass it around. And anything that they threw at Becker, a couple of the saves that he made were, were straightforward saves. He, they were comfortable enough saves and didn't have to be overly spectacular, but it was fully deserved. Yeah. There's a lot, of, thought, and yeah, a lot of Liverpool supporters in Mead, as we know, Fergal, but there's, there's um, some Tottenham supporters too. And actually in At League on Saturday, as I was coming out, going through um, At League and Roscommon. Nice segue, um, uh, There was a, a Spurs flag hanging out one of the windows. Uh, one Roscommon flag in another house and one Spurs flag. Nice, right. So, you know, all over the places, the, the Champions League, uh, had that game had uh, whipped up a lot of interest. But that league, yeah, that was the place I was on Saturday, Fergal. Well, just before we move on, I know there was, uh, I, I just like to say, the, the, pub, the pub that I was in, of course, our own place on uh, Saturday night for the game, had a mix of many supporters and there was West Ham supporters and Everton supporters and a few Man United supporters all in in for the game as well, uh, which was good to see. But what was unusual to see was a couple of, uh, especially one Everton supporter, I won't mention him, but he knows who he is, dancing around and singing LA, LA, LA and enjoying, enjoying in the atmosphere. After Liverpool had won. Yeah, so for an Everton supporter... He obviously wasn't that sick to see Liverpool win in the game. No, no, no uh, that's not the, the general reaction from Everton supporters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, it was funny. It was funny to see it. All right. But as I was saying, I was down in that league, Fergal, for the Christie Ring Cup. Uh, yeah, I, I, the, the I, I, third round. Just when you mention about uh, being in Roscommon, and before we get into the hurling, I, I noticed an interesting story uh, from Ian Cooney. I saw him tweeting it there today. A story that's in the Roscommon Herald. Uh, of course, Ian Cooney is the, the Herald sports editor. Again, a big Liverpool supporter, so I'm sure he was happy as well. But he had a story about the Roscommon minor footballer, Aaron Oiki, who made his mark with Roscommon in recent weeks. But his father, Moses, had represented Nigeria in the 1996 Olympic Games in Atlanta. And in an interested side note to that, I know you're saying, where are you going with this, Fergal? But, uh, where are you going Mo- with this, Fergal? Moses had actually edged out Ireland's Sean Cahill in a heat at those Olympics. So people would know Sean Cahill uh, had been involved from screen there or around Tara. Had yeah, been the trainer. With, yeah, been involved with Sean Boylan teams and would have uh. learned a lot. And So to see Sean was edged out in a heat at the Olympic Games by, by uh, Moses and Moses' son now playing football for Roscommon, it's, it's just goes to show the multicultural, diverse society that we have in and Ireland now. And, and it's great to see it. And it's a small world as well. It really is, but, uh, isn't it? Just yeah. But anyway, you're in Roscommon, Jimmy, in that league. Yes. Mead and Roscommon, Christy Ring Cup, last game of the group stages. Made Both the trip down there, um, Fergal, down there early, very early actually, and uh, uh, came across uh, Jerry McLaughlin, Paul Dunn, Folly, you know, were in the ground soon after me. They were in early as well. You were in before the two boys. Well, yeah, just, the just, just about, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. And uh, they were there to set up for... Um, and. Uh, they're, they make a pre, uh, an impressive presentation in the dressing room every time they set up the gear and with flags and everything like all the jerseys hung up it, it looked really well yeah. but uh, yeah I was down there of course for the match um, it was you know in one sense what they call a dead rubber in the, in the sense that it, it, 
you know, both teams had true to semi final. It was just a matter of which team finished top. So yeah, and and of course Mead won. Yeah, now, twenty three points to nineteen. Twenty three to nineteen. Yes. Um, what type of game was it? As you said, both teams were already qualified. So was there a was there a lack of an edge to it? Was there a, you know was the intensity lower than you might have expected? Or yeah, or were Roscommon trying to lay down a marker? Were Mead trying to lay down a marker? No, I think I think both teams really went out to uh, to win this game. You know, it wasn't a, a sense of Roscommon. Roscommon actually could have won this game. You know, okay, Mead were ahead most of the time but Russ Common were they shot quite a few uh, wides 14 wides I think um, okay. you know and they, they created two goal chances that uh, Shane McGann made two brilliant saves of course we've seen that over the years you know sure. one of the best goalkeepers in the country I think yeah, that, we'll, that we, some people we're might blessed say we're with goalkeepers um, really and, and I have an interview with Andy Colgan from the football later on and then when we're talking about the ladies football later on uh, I'll have to mention Monica McGurk but yeah Shane McGann obviously Shane McGann too so uh, and one disturbing thing from the Mead perspective was that they didn't really create a, cha- a goal chance well, uh, without Eamon Odonica would be a big big loss there to that forward line yes in terms he, of he's injured chances. the Tannagail uh, player is injured he, he's been very good up to now and uh, yeah he, he was a big loss but at the same time as as Nick Fitzgerald afterwards reflected on he, he was saying that you know, we shouldn't be relying on just uh, one or t- one forward to get get us goals. You know, there should be other. Now, Barry Slevin, he was brilliant today, a couple of, uh, couple of great points. But it, it wasn't a case of where uh, Mead players were getting goal chances and missing them or not taking them. They just weren't creating, creating them. And I think that was that was at the, the source of uh, Nick's concern going into the uh, the semi final now um, uh, on in Armagh against Derry on Saturday. Yeah, so he had another concern as well. Um, calling on supporters to get out to the game and, and yes. to support and he had uh, he had a few words to say um, about the county board fixtures and, and why that there's so many games fixed for next Saturday when the Mead Hurlers are playing in the Christy Ring yeah, he was semi-final quite agitated about that yeah yeah so we'll, we'll listen to your interview with Nick after the game against Ross Common down in that league we'll listen to that now and also his comments uh, about that the, the fixture clash so just have a, a listen to this now obviously delighted with the victory but also the fact that it, w- it was a tough enough test yeah look we, we came down here expecting it to be tough you know um, and uh, we got it tough you know um, but I suppose as someone said we ended up coming out the right side of a, a heavy battle you know um, not uh, not not what we would have intended the end to be, um, you know, nip and tuck. But uh, we we just didn't play well enough, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, but uh, you didn't play well enough. Over the course uh, of the seventy minutes, no. You know what you had expected. You had this. No, look, we've we've played far better in in uh, the first two games. Now look, Roscommon. To be fair to them, they have they have done similar in their first two games. They've beaten Kildare. They've beaten London, and um, you know they've. We've probably beaten them more convincingly, and we've we we played good hurling in uh, in lots of phases of Kildare and London. But today we couldn't seem to we couldn't seem to string it together for a, for, for a long period of time, and we just seemed very lethargic and uh, very sort of uh, pedestrian like. Yeah, so you'd be working on the intensity now during the week and uh, training games, I presume. And yeah, well, look, look, we've only seven days to turn around to a semi final now, so there's not a there's not a whole lot you can do apart from analyse what you've done and look back at what, what you've done over the last number of games um, you know um, but certainly the level of intensity there today just wouldn't be high enough at times uh, the passing was very good at other times he just gave the ball away 
times there's times today that, that, that we moved it well but there was other times where we were just way too slow and Roscommon packed the middle third quite a bit and uh, they got a lot of success from it and we just didn't have enough intensity in that middle third when, when Roscommon had it packed and we were turned over a good few times but look Roscommon are in the semi-final of, of this competition as well and you know rightly so because they've beaten Kildare they've beaten London and they've they've, they've gone quite close to us you know yeah, no, no goal chances. Um, no. no, disappointing, you know, and uh, you know maybe, maybe that's something we'll have to look at because obviously Eamon didn't play today, and Eamon's been our goal scorer up to now, and uh, like we we never even threatened goal. Whereas Shane Shane McGann made made two super saves, I think, from yeah. from Roscommon attacks. Yeah, he did. Well, obviously, that worries you the fact he didn't know uh, mm. didn't create create any opportunities. Yeah, like, like there's, uh, there's, there's there's lots of aspects of today's game that that would worry you, but. But you know the the plus of it is we came in, we got into a dogfight, and we dug ourselves out of it. You know. Uh, what about um, James Tucker? James, you know, he's come back. Yeah, no, James. James came back, and uh, you know, we thought he was right. He thought he was right. The medics thought he was right, but obviously James is not. You know, and now he's that that that's probably the end of his Christie ring. His Christie ring campaign now. You know, with, with whatever his injury is now, it means that. James won't be available for a semi-final by the looks of things. The way he came off the field, which would, which would, is the grind again, as it's thought. So that 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 obviously renders him um, renders him finished for for as regards the Christie ring. You know, the back, I suppose, which was. Yeah, look, I, um, he's grind. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, there was young Nicky Potterton came on there as well. You're you're obviously tr- you're trying to broaden. Yeah, yeah. Trying, trying to blood. Trying to get. Uh, we're trying to get the panel uh, to a, a place where we have the maximum number of players used. There's a number of players there today who are very disappointed that didn't get game time again. You know, and look, it's uh, that's the difficult part for for me and for the selectors when you know you can only like like the game today unfolded differently to to how we we would have hoped we we would, would have hoped it to be a more free-flowing game a faster pace game and you know maybe maybe some of the changes might have been different on that basis but you know when when Roscommon brought it down to uh, you know that physical tough battle in the in the, the middle third it it needed certain changes and it needed certain players to come in and to try and turn over that that uh, dominance in the middle third, you know. Yeah, but you needed this game. You needed in terms of the uh, absolutely, test, absolutely, you know, absolutely needed it. But but like to think that to think that you were going to come down here and coast through like you coasted through in in, in Kildare is you know be very silly, you know. What about uh, Nick? You know, just call uh, maybe a clarion call to meet supporters for the semi-final and. Asking them to come out and maybe support, you know support the team because the semi final is where it's. I know it's going to be a neutral venue, but wherever it is, I suppose Jimmy, that? it's probably very hard to get clubs to support you. You know, given that it's a dead rubber and given that there's over forty fixtures clashing in the county with our game today. Okay. So so, so you know uh, you can you you can make all these calls for support and for clubs and followers to come and follow the hurling team but when you have underage fixtures making fixtures upwards of 40 fixtures today clashing with our game and I think there's and I, I think there's there's upwards of 90 fixtures clashing with the semi-final fixture for next weekend like to me I don't know maybe 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 I'm wrong but uh, it just doesn't seem right to me you know um, we like 
if you if you if your county hurlers are playing a semi-final next Saturday at two o'clock or three o'clock or four o'clock, I would think in most other counties there'd probably be no fixtures clashing directly with that game. So my call is to, yes, looking for big support, but my call is for the fixtures committees at the underage grades to look at what to look at what they've done today, look at what they have planned for next week and make the right call by this panel of 35 players. As we can hear from that, uh, Nick wasn't impressed. He's not impressed with the, the way fixtures have. Like he, he's a Waterford man, Nick, and down there you can imagine. Uh, okay, they didn't do well this this no, summer, but uh, no. already out of the Munster Championship. But uh, down there, uh, you know, I would imagine as as he referred to, the fixtures would have been held over. There wouldn't be any games to allow everybody to go to to see their their team play senior hurling. I think it 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 reflects, I suppose, that me there as we know, as we've talked about over the years. The fact that they are mainly a football, you know, yeah, a football yeah. county. The focus is on. No, that. I'm not buying that, Jimmy. Hold on a minute. I'm not going to buy that because I was at the county board meeting. Um, joy, oh joy, of a county board meeting last Monday night, and there was a debate went on for over an hour about fixtures. People might have read it, read about it in last week's Chronicle, and the point being made by the members of the CCC that spoke, John Daly, who's the chairman of the CCC, um. The point he was making is that there's only a certain window of opportunity to play these games. And every week between now and the end of the GA calendar is taken up by fixtures. So these games have to be fixed and they have to be played. I can understand Nick's frustration and how difficult it is to get supporters to games. Uh, it What does baffle me is, you know, why, why play them at, two o'clock on a Saturday or four o'clock on a Saturday or whatever it is. Can we not spread them into the Sunday? But then you've got the problem on Sunday with the meat footballers are playing on Sunday ah, as oh, well. Oh, there we, we go. So we come down to no, the, no, the no, nub of this issue. No, Fergal. but the fixture, the fixture is already, the fixtures have already been made. But the problem is there um, and, and games have been fixed throughout the league in terms of National Football League. Games are fixed throughout the league at... 12 o'clock and I think 1 o'clock the league and the championship you know, are two different things no but I, I do have I understand what Nick is saying yeah. and he wants supporters there and you know saying well, a bit madness of, of fixing games at the time but you have to understand where the CCC are coming from as well as when do we fix these games for when are we going to play these games? Okay, I think his point, like uh, it was that the the was coming matches at one o'clock. Uh, maybe could it be fi- could have been fixed maybe Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same next weekend. Could it be fixed? A lot of them be fixed for Sunday morning instead of Saturday afternoon, just when the uh, you know the meat hurlers are playing. Saturday afternoon but, uh, instead of Sunday I, morning. Like yeah. I, I think we are we are. I've I've heard hurling people over the years talk about this, Fergal. We are a, a football county. Well, I think let's, let's that let, could be know. disputed over the way results have gone, performances have gone over the last few years. I think that has been well, uh, yeah, but that has been disputed with we're, the, we're the mainly, levels, different levels of success uh, enjoyed by both teams over the last few years. Look, we can argue this from, and and neither of us will be wrong, and neither of us will probably be right if you think. It, it, I have sympathy for both sides. Um, I can see where the CCC are coming from in terms of, I can't remember what they said, they had 30, 38 weeks to play 36 rounds of games or something and they have to allow certain weeks for... Oh, sure. It's I just mean, the, G, the whole GA fixture schedule I gr- is I greatly admire the people who take on this task of, of, of fixing games because it's you know you have to be you have to be very strong in the sense that you know there'll be clubs ringing in saying well we, we've we've 
First yeah, communion, or we we have something on that Sunday. The community did something on the community. Can we have it off? You know, I'm sure that's that's an issue with them all the time. And uh, but they have to be strong and go ahead and fix them. Well, but I know from from dealing with fixture secretaries over the last twenty two years in my job here that uh, one of the first things that they say to me, one of the most frustrating things for them, and they've said it, every single fixture secretary that I've dealt with have all said the same thing to me that when the fixtures go out to the clubs. The first thing on a club's mind seems to be, not all clubs, obviously, and yeah. probably a small majority of them, small minority, sorry, of them. The first thing on the club's minds is, how can we get this game off? Yeah, sure. Even though they're begging for well, games and they're begging for yeah. fixtures and we want to play games. We want to play, we don't want to be training, we want to play, we don't want to be training. But that's where they have to Fixer be strong and firm and say, listen, no, we, we're, we're going with this. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's probably um, what's happening. Yeah. And, and to uh, yeah, the frustration but I, uh, of county managers who want to get supporters there. Yeah, but uh, at the same time, when a county team is playing, you know, there is that balance that has to be found when a county team is playing. But it's people, finding people the time who to want play to see who want to see their club man playing in this say, yeah. uh, but have a or maybe managing an underage team, um, you know, they they, they want to they, they should be given that chance too. It just have to become, so just has to become a seven day a week organization. That's it. The fixtures have to be seven mm-hmm. days a week now. Like mm-hmm. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I would love to see no games in uh, on in Mead on Saturday and get two thousand people or three thousand people into Armagh supporting the Royal County in the Christie Ring Cup semi final. But me and you both know when Mead hurlers play in in Trim or they play in Navan, it's a very very small support, very sp- small return of people go to watch these games, and it's an awful shame. And I had a go about it on. Uh, in terms of ladies football as well on Sunday on my Facebook Live it's a drum that I, I, lo- I love to beat because it's just so frustrating as to we should be me GA supporters not me football supporters but and as Nick Fitzgerald pointed out in his interview there the opportunity to be a me GA supporter is becoming more and more difficult especially for the lads who are still playing or the parents of young kids who are playing that the opportunity to go and support Mead county teams is becoming more and more difficult because of the way fixtures are made. Yeah, well, I suppose the, there could be an argument there, like what if the, if the ladies that are playing as well, if they're playing a championship match, should we suspend fixtures? Well, they're a different organisation. Well. Yeah, Me, you know, Mead County Board have, are under no obligation to suspend no, okay. fixtures for when Mead ladies are playing. Uh, Mead LGFA have to you know, come in under the same umbrella as the GA before they can even start talking about that. But uh, that's that's a, an argument for another day, and uh, I'm not sure it's one that will ever become. But, but let's let's uh, get behind the, the you know people, yeah, the people who can borders. travel yeah. who can travel because you know they they've put in a huge effort uh, up to this, and they're you know they're, they they would really appreciate some support. Yeah. Also, if anybody is traveling, just be aware that Slane concert is on Saturday. Um, yeah. I know most people would take a route to. Um, the general route to Armagh from Mead would probably be into Drogheda onto Dundalk and then on into Armagh that way uh, and to get to Drogheda is normally through Slane so that that pathway to, to Armagh is going to be closed mm. um, it'll be interesting to see what the Mead team's plans are or how they're going to travel uh, maybe try and figure that out for and have it in the paper or have it on the website during the week but um, I, I'm you'll have to plan your journey Jimmy You'll have to plan your journey for going to the athletic grounds in Armagh on Saturday because Slane Concert 
lots of road closures around that area yeah well I think we were talking about earlier I think you suggested up the M1 so probably go up that way yeah. I like to travel in the motorways anyway so these places so yeah, I, you like to hit the, one, the 120 but um, yeah. don't like travelling under the 120 so you need the motorway yeah, I'm not sure you. yet but I de- definitely will be de- avoiding Slane because yeah. uh, the traffic will be there from very early on uh, I'm sure yeah well so while the Mead Hurlers journey continues uh, with a semi-final against Derry, the Mead Minor Footballers year is over. That's very disappointing already for to uh, you know, so much promise. Won the last two Leinster Under-17 championships. Okay, the first one was a tournament, but last year won the Minor Championship in Leinster. Uh, this Under-17 team won the Jerry Riley tournament impressively and convincingly last year. So there was lots of high hope for this Under-17 team in the Leinster Minor Championship this year. But uh, lost the first round against Dublin, struggled somewhat against Offaly in the second round, hammered Wexford in the final game of the group stages, and uh, threw it away against Westmead in yeah. the quarter final. The thing is that they had this game won, Fergal. Yeah. You know, it looked like in normal time, and well, it looked like that. There were a couple of points ahead going into the final stages. Um, young friend from Summerhill, that you kind of friend, yeah, own, you know, own friend, own yeah. friend, you know, very good player. Um, he was very good. Uh, well, I think know, a lot of the scores were from freeze coming from Owen Frayne and Niall Finnerty as Niall well. Niall Finnerty, a couple of goals. You know, a lot of the scores were from freeze. And I, we have a, a, me, myself, yourself, we weren't at the game when Colonel Collier was at it. And uh, Colonel caught up with Conor O'Donoghue, the Mead minor manager, after the game. So I suppose it's a bit unfair for us to be reflecting on a game that we weren't at. But uh, Connell asked Connor a few questions there about bad decision making contributing to the to the defeat, uh, you know, wrong shot options been taken, and he also looked back on the fact that Mead were very unlucky with a couple of missed goal chances, compared to Westmead having all the luck with a with a fortunate goal that they got, and uh, Connell also asked him now was you know he's disappointed that that's that for the Mead minor footballers after all the hard work that they've put in but also look back that they were a talented group with a lot of good footballers coming through so uh, we'll have a listen to what Conor O'Donoghue had to say to uh, sports editor here Colin Collier after the Mead's extra time loss to West Mead in the Leinster minor football championship quarter final yeah um, I mean the first thing to say is that everyone's put in a huge shift, players included, they, 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 they left every piece themselves as we asked them to do when they're out there. Um, yeah, it's true that when the pressure cranks right up to the very edge that the decisions people make become so crucial and so vital. Um, and, and that's the way it was out there. Uh, we, 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 we probably didn't make good decisions at key times just to see the game out. And something that we worked very hard on pressure football situation football and trying to make sure that people are equipped and lads are equipped to, to do that but that probably in the end was was the was the difference between winning and losing yeah it was a shot across he he, he kind of uh, uh, shinned it almost and uh, it just it just seemed to bounce in then another one that bounced over the bar as well um, and we did we had five goal chances and we and we, and we didn't finish unfortunately um, I mean, I don't know what to say on that. We just, we can bemoan luck and all of that, but I suppose you've got to focus on the things that you can control. Um, and we probably didn't get literally the bounce of a ball there today. Um, but we probably just as a group, we're finished now, clearly, as a, as a minor group. But we ha- and the players and ourselves, we have to reflect on the individual things that we can control and uh, the decisions that we need to make in the heat of battle. 
of course, it's it's bitterly disappointing. Anyone who invests anything in this at this level, I mean, it's all in. It's all in, and uh, uh, to I suppose to have done the work when they've done the work, and and to have what I think are a talented bunch of footballers to to fall at this stage uh, is is. It's tough to take, I think so. I think there's a lot of good footballers coming through, and I think that look evens itself out over the years. You don't always get it, but um, you, you, on a day, but eventually you get it. And uh, I'm hoping for this bunch that they will get it in due course because uh, they've worked hard and they deserve it. Yeah, it's that's not it's not everyone is is uh, is upset yeah. and wants to want and wants to have another day at it, but they're not going to have it, and we're not going to have it. Have they possibly feel themselves that it was a game they could have won? Would that be fair? I haven't asked them. I'd, I'd say that's probably what we all feel, yeah. i say that's what we all feel, but, um, yeah, that's where we, we um, I suppose, the, 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 they are bitterly disappointed because they've invested so much time and effort into this, and it, it, uh, it hasn't come through in the way that we would have liked. Yeah, so as you can hear there, Conor O'Donoghue obviously distraught and, and disconsolate after losing out um, to Westmead at the end of the year. It's probably the end of their term in charge of the minors, which is brings to an end three, four or five years working with this group of players. So very disappointing. But you have to look to the future and hopefully some of those players will come onto a senior panel in a, in a few years' time and uh, with with something to build on. And, and that's what Mead's senior footballers now on Sunday can look forward to a Leinster semi-final um, against Leash in Crow Park at 2 o'clock on Sunday. It's our first time to be in Crow Park for a, a Leinster Championship game since 2016. We haven't been in a Leinster senior football final since 2014. And uh, so we stand on the edge of a returning there. It's a long time since we've been in a Leinster senior final, Jimmy. Yeah, this is a, a big match, uh, Fergal, for, for me, for for Andy McEntee and his players it's a big game uh, you know to win this like it'll, it'll show significant significant progress to, you know and, uh, would it wait, would it would it show significant progress well it would Fergal, because yeah absolutely but, but it's a it's a third division three team in a row this is the first time since 20, 2014 yeah it's pretty we, much we, what I just said yeah yeah exactly uh, third successive for the first time so um, that that's first time since 2014 so, so to win it, to, yeah to win a fourth Win a, you know to win a third game in Leinster, but don't take don't take away from the fact that it's also our third Division Three team. Now we have higher aspirations than to be a Division Three team. No disrespect to Carlo Offaly or Leash, but Mead should be beating these teams. Fair so to say that to say that no, no, don't point back. We won't point back to the Longford game just yet. So last year, so to say that this has shown continued progression, I don't agree with that. I don't agree. That the continued progression, we have made progress, no doubt, by the very fact that we've gained promotion to Division 1. But I don't think the Leinster campaign has shown that we've made continued progression well, in, that, uh, in that aspect. I mean, They're Division 3 teams. I think we should have to point back to last year's game against Longford. Well, then we point back to the game against Tyrone. Because, well, Tyrone, we, possibly, we, we had a very good chance of winning that. Yeah, and uh, also the game against Longford. That I know we had goal chances against Longford. Exactly. But, no, but you, you said there about how uh, we should be winning these games. That's that's gone. How you know should that era of when we should be winning because oh, I'm not just saying we because as as Mead. I'm saying a division 
three team should not be be should not be beating promoted teams from Division Two who are effectively a Division One team. All things been equal. I know what happens, and these things can happen on the day. But what I'm when we talk about continued progression, I'm just saying that Mead should be going to Crow Park on Sunday expecting to beat Leash. Should um, uh, yeah. Well, look, well, they, they probably are. I'm sure they are going. To, you know, they, they, obviously the players would be expect because that's that's what, how you've got to go into every game, and they, they know that by now. But I um, I don't think we can we can be saying anymore. We should be going up to play in these beating these teams. You know, teams like Leash are not that far behind. If if they're on the same, you know, they're a little bit further behind us. All right, yeah, as as league positioning shows, but uh, you know. We, and we'll be favourites, but marginal favourites, I'd say, Fergal. I'd say if you're to go in, I'm not a betting man, and I don't, I don't do gambling too much or or at all. Actually, I would say if you're to look at bookies' odds, I'd say meter three or four to one on probably five six point favourites for this game on Sunday. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be that optimistic, you know. But uh, they, they should win. Well, they have a chance of winning, all right. Yeah, yeah. But um, um, very good chance. You, you don't think five or six point favourites? I wouldn't. I wouldn't certainly not. No, I wouldn't put them that uh, that far ahead of of leash. Can I you see two or three points? Can you see much changes to uh, to the team? I don't think so. I mean, uh, you know, the the the. Uh, the Carney came in there for that for the Carlo match. He was brilliant. Yeah. So you know, um, again, you know, you certainly. But James and Shane McIntyre are both it, yeah. chomping at the bit now. Are both likely to be fit to come back? Um. So. Would do you think both of them will come back into the team? I don't think so. I well, I I don't think so. I mean, who who are you going to leave out? Because uh, are we, you know, when you look back at um, Seamus Lavin and Conor McGill, Shane Gallagher, they all, well, especially Gallagher and uh, Seamus Lavin, they had very good games against uh, Carlo. Um, Pori Carnan, you know, you, yeah. are you going to leave him out? I wouldn't. No, and I wouldn't either. Uh, Donald Kyogre. This is this is a Gavin McCoy, a very good, excellent, yeah, excellent against game, Carlo. Yeah, yeah. And you know, so I I, th- I would leave the team as it is. I um, would I would imagine that he will look to pick his strongest team. And no disrespect to the lads that are going to miss out. I think James McEntee and Shane McEntee both have to come back into that team. I think Porrick Harnan has to be included. So I think probably the unlucky one or the two unluckies lads that, that might drop out could be Adam Flanagan could drop out. Um, which would see Shane McIntyre coming back into midfield, and I think Sean Tobin might miss out, or Thomas O'Reilly might miss out. Thomas didn't have a great game the last day and was taken off in the first half, which would allow James McIntyre come back in. Maybe James McIntyre come back in uh, into his normal wing back role with Porrick Harnan maybe moving into midfield. Um, maybe Thomas O'Reilly or Sean Tobin we, could drop we... out and would would let Shane McIntyre. Come back in then, or maybe operate as a third midfielder then as well. So James, James McInnie, would you would you bring him in there instead of Young O'Reilly? You were saying that, yeah. No, I say Shane. Shane. Shane probably drop in and then operate as a third midfielder. Look at I think what the key thing here is, and what's the most pleasing aspect of it is this strength and depth that we're now seeing. Yes, that's part of it. That's you what know. he was trying to to um, build up in recent years, you know, and that's why he brought young players like uh, Dara Campion in and James Conlon has come on a few times yeah, now like and, <laughs> and and scored. James Conlon has, has 
put his hand up really hasn't he and said he deserves a start doesn't he Barry Dard say uh, would have would would sort of be in the running maybe for a start but uh you know, uh, certainly, yeah. Well, this is this is what the the kind of headache that uh, Andy was talking about. Yeah, and a good I, I think I think, said, yeah. I think you'd start with this team that finished. If you know the one, the, the start row, with the team that started or started uh, the team started that finished. Fi- start, sorry, started the team that started against Carlo. Okay, and go with okay. that. And, and but he get, made get, early changes in that in that thing. You know, in that game as well. Thomas O'Reilly came out early, and do you not think that James McEntee has to come straight back into that team well you have him on the bench there I don't think you know you can you can always if things are not working out in a certain area of the field you can you have James in there he's a versatile player you know uh, it's Jeez, he's one of our best players he is one of he's one of our good players he's one of our real players. class acts but I think yeah you have to you know a team that wins um yeah, it's harsh. It is you know, going to be harsh. And I it think is the tough. wins, they didn't play particularly well. They played well enough, all right. And they still won, you know, convincingly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and you have that option of bringing the, these guys on, you know, if things aren't working out. Uh, and Look, I, earlier earlier this week, I caught up with Mead goalkeeper uh, Andy Colgan and I spoke to him about life between the sticks and how lonely it can be as a goalkeeper. And we reflected back on his mistake against Donegal and how he bounced back from that and also the couple of poor kickouts he had in the game against Offaly and how he bounced back from them and he doesn't dwell on these things. So uh, just have a listen to the interview that I did with Andy Colgan here. Um, Andy, three Leinster, or three Leinster Championship games is something of a rarity for me in the last couple of years. You, you must be happy with the way the year has progressed uh, in terms of reaching targets so far. Ah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, like Considering last year we had that blip against Longford, like, that was my first season really playing, so yeah. good to get um, two wins on the bounce now and hopefully make a third next Sunday. And was the, the league form, was that was that something that's given you the belief then going in this year, that, that or was it the end of season form last year, I suppose, the, the game against Tyrone? Uh, yeah, it kind of built from the Tyrone and then through the league, obviously, we, we got the promotion and just stuck to our processes and did everything right. And, uh, like disappointing not to beat Donegal and then in the end, but I think the league form definitely helped us and we had a bit more unity again this year. Like lads didn't lads didn't leave like after the league last year. This year just kicked on a bit more togetherness and feels great. Yeah, the um I suppose there was a lot of expectation going into the Offley game then as well and uh in a lot of people's minds and I'm sure in the players as well, you didn't perform to what you were capable of. So did that make last Saturday evening's game a little bit more nervy or more important or going in against Carlo yeah, with a point to I prove? I don't think I don't think we were nervous. We were just, we were ready for it and just didn't happen. Like and we had it felt like a loss after the game because we just didn't perform. Like, yeah. We went so well through the league and just we knew we knew we were better than that. And we didn't. We got lucky. Like one, one lucky goal helped us. So yeah. we knew that we weren't we couldn't let that happen against Carlo. So we kicked on. Hopefully now Leash will perform again up our game. Just keep raising standards, sticking the process. Yeah. So so does the Carlo game then just underlines the belief then again? Is that right that that you pulled up in the lead in the lead? Yeah, yeah. Like there's still stuff uh, we can do better, and I know no disrespect to Carlo, but we'll come up against stronger teams. Leash is another another step up again, like so. We just sloppy sloppiness and get rid of all that. And, yeah. Just, kick on. just from your own point of view, then um, a goalkeeper's position is a pretty low, lonely one. 
your mistakes are highlighted more than anybody else's. But I know um, talking to Andy after one of the games, Andy McIntyre after one of the games, can't remember which one, he was full of praise for you and the way that you bounced back from the Donegal game up in Bally yeah. Buffet. How did you feel after that? Like it was a mistake that, I'm sure, as Andy said, you held your hand up and and, yeah. and ah look, these things happen when you're playing goals. You're gonna make mistakes and it's gonna be highlighted. And I went straight home that day, that evening to play for a club the next morning, and that just got back on the saddle straight away. Like you can't dwell on these things because if you dwell on them, you'll do it again. Like so, I just worked hard then all all next week in training and got yeah. it right. And had a good performance so and how the game against um, the likes of Offaly there was a few dodgy kickouts but I still felt um, confident like and the lads still believed in me hopefully and we got got right in the end and how quickly are you able to shut those things out of your mind do you, is it does it happen instant is it or, or do yeah, things like, linger with you or, or? no nah, not really I, I wouldn't dwell on things like that like that that'll just that'll be the end if you, if you do like so uh, playing at such a high standard, so these things happen, especially in goals. But obviously, said highlighted, but I just try and think about next ball, next ball coming, next kick out, and does, next catch. And yeah, well, that, that's what I was going to say then. And, and then the couple of bad kick outs then against Offaly, did it help straight away that you made a brilliant save then near enough yeah, straight that, after that? Yeah, that, that obviously helped. Like, but as I said, like when I kicked the first ball, and I still felt, I still felt confident that lads were on. I know, I know, I probably should have went longer with the kick outs, but. I still still felt confident like with my kicking ability and the save obviously did help like it g us up a bit and we went up and got a score after the save so would you be the type of lad who would be roaring out and giving out to everybody else why didn't you make that run where are you looking for the ball or are you somebody that you know carries the weight on, on your shoulders and, and takes the pressure yeah like no I'd, I'd always say like if I don't get a good kick that way I'd playing myself more I'm very hard on myself like and oh, yeah, yeah. even even train myself and my dad like we'd we'd have we're honest enough like we he kind of he's always told me as it is like so yeah yeah but you need that I suppose but so long as you can take it I suppose some people some people um need a different kind of approach and need a uh, a boot up the arse or, or an arm around the shoulder which yeah, which are it. you which are you yeah no no like Andy Andy Mack is he's he's honest like and he tells you as it is and that's why I prefer like even though I haven't been playing with the clubs like the last few years which is disappointing but yeah. like the managers haven't been honest here like where you'd rather them to just say look right I fancy this fancy you're a keeper yeah. or they haven't and Andy would tell you that out straight like he'd tell you if you make mistakes and you need to do this better and you need to do that and I like that more in managers so kind of helps getting a bit of a G up it must give you a great boost then to see, you know, when you're sitting on the bench for the club last year, that, well, my county manager still has every faith in me and it shows how good of a goalkeeper you are. That must give you a great boost of confidence. Oh, definitely, yeah. Like, I've, I was in touch with Andy through the year, like, and he kind of said, look, you need to need to knuckle down and get yourself fitter and felt that doing that and I'm going in the right direction. I still, still have a good way to go. But, um, yeah, he's, he said, look, you're gonna be my number one, so you need to get you need to get yourself fit and yeah. get that get that sorted. And don't mind the club, what people are gonna be saying that and the media, like oh, he doesn't play for his club and all. Yeah. I don't really kind of listen to that stuff. I just keep my head down and love playing the game. So I just do what I do. And how how good has it been working with Gary Rogers and and Marky Brennan? Mark is 
has been around a good while as well and is a good experienced keeper even though he hasn't played much yeah, at senior I'm, county nah, level. Mark, he's, Mark, he's top class now. Yeah. Like, even as growing up as a young lad when I started playing 17, uh, when I was 17 playing with the senior team, like you always knew all oh, Mark's friend and Adam keeper, like, he yeah. was always class. And Gary's, Gary's, Gary's as well. Like, cause I've never really, I've never really done much goalkeeping practice through the years. Like, cause I only started playing the goals when I was seventeen. Right. Um, yeah. like I used to play soccer up until then, then went to goals one match for the the guy. Right. And so guy, so I never really got much training, but the training with Gary now is class. Just small little things that you think you're doing well, and he's just yeah, yeah, just yeah. giving me a lot of confidence. And where did you play? The, where did you play the soccer, Andy? Sorry. I played centre back with Ashburn United for all the way up to seventeen, and then when I went senior, I kind of just said, "Look, I got called for the mean minors." Yeah. And then Andy gave me a show uh, when he was manager at Dun Dunmore as well, and he gave me my first first um, cap cap for them, like so. Yeah, yeah. and you played guy outfield as well, did you? Um, I kind of, I was kind of in and out. Like for, I used to play league, league minor, and all outfield. Yeah. And then I played play, played most in goals. Actually, the first man that put me in goals was uh, Michael Doherty. All right, okay. The logistics manager. So yeah, yeah. He, was my, he was my manager all the way up. Like, so. And you like it now, do you? Some people end up in goals and they go, geez, I only really ended up here. It's not what I... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I do, I do love, love it. Like, um, I know, as you say, it's bad when you make a mistake, but I just love, love, um, love kicking the ball out and just, like making saves and all the pleasure that it gives you like getting good kick outs and yeah, stuff yeah. like that like I know it, it is a tough position like you're, you're going to get slated no matter what you do sometimes so but I don't know it's good Is um, the, the old adage about you have to be a little bit mad to be a keeper would that apply to you or uh, you, yeah, you... <laughs> I'm not too bad I'm not as mad as the few lads now like I like to keep my head grounded but yeah. you do have to be mad you do have to be mad at times like yeah 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 but you do have to have that little bit of Flash of individuality yeah. as well to do something that, as you said, you're the last line of defence, and if if you make a mistake, it does become highlighted a bit more. So you have to have that mental fortitude to be able to bounce back from it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's why that's why I just kind of just say next ball, next ball, like just in your goals and you dwell on something. You don't have much time to recover, so. So uh, you can hear there from Andy, he's looking forward to getting back to Crow Park, looking forward to it. As he uh, he agrees with you and Jimmy in that it's, it is another step up in standard. Um, no disrespect to Offaly or Carlo Leash are a better side than those two teams. And we wouldn't argue with that. I don't think anybody could argue with that. But I still stick by my point that they are a Division 3 team. And if Mead are to have aspirations of con contesting or competing in a Leinster final, and looking to advance to Super 8s, we need to be laying down markers and comfortably beating teams like Division 3 sides like Leash, Carlo and, and Offaly. Yeah, when it comes to the Championship though, Fergal, I know that leagues are leagues, but uh, you know, we, uh, I suppose if, if we need to have the, the aspiration, okay, for an, uh, get into the Top 8 or Super 8, yeah, but I mean, comfortably beating these teams, it's not, it's not that easy... Um, you know, even even against Carlo there for a while, we we struggled, and, and this is one worry about this team. They tend to to fade. We've mentioned it before. They tend to fade out of games for spells. They let Carlo back there. You know, and they had their their foot on their throat, and they let them back into the game, and um, then it fell apart for Carlo. You know, but okay, yeah, but it's off. Yeah. The, well, it's the sending it's the sending off. But okay, the goals two goals are gone in by by that stage. But uh, um, you know. 
I, there is there is still concerns about this team and and why do they fade out of games and Andy has I'm sure been working on that and the selector have been working on that the past week. Um, one other team that's going well and we I just want to give them a mention as well is the Mead Ladies uh, opened their Leinster Intermediate Football Championship clash with a, a four fifteen to two nine win over Leash in Partholgen on Sunday again and, and as I said earlier about the Mead Hurlers it was disappointing to see such a small crowd in attendance supporting uh, our ladies football team but the crowd that were there made good noise and they were treated to a really fantastic game of football uh, once again videos have been going around on social media if you if you haven't seen them yet seek them out Monica McGurk made a save in the first half that was an unbelievable flying high to her right to stop a ball going into the top left hand corner it was a phenomenal save really was something that that you would if it had been in the Champions League it would be shown as a highlight over and over and over again. Save of the season. Oh, she's a phenomenal goalkeeper. She really is. I know Mead were comfortable winners in the end, but Monica made some great saves at crucial junctures in that game to keep them ahead. And uh, Stacey Grimes up the other end of the field scored 2-6. Mm. Uh, huge players for Mead. Really are huge. Unfortunately, Mead are going to lose Stacey Grimes now. Herself and Neve Gologli are going to America for the summer. Huge so, losses, yeah. Huge losses. Absolutely huge loss. But... Speaking to Eamon Murray after the game, he had said, you know, that's why we carry a big panel and we've got a panel of good, quality, decent players and it's up yeah. to somebody else now to step up and, and fill those roles. So it was good to see the Mead ladies winning. They now play Wicklow in a Leinster semi-final uh, next Saturday or Sunday week. Um, the fixture the fixture yet to be determined on that one, yet to be decided. So it's good to see them still going in search of more silver after winning the Division 3 league. Um we just have a, a quick rundown through the A-Leagues, Jimmy, and we'll, we'll probably finish up on that again, conscious of time. We're, we're running close to the hour mark. Um, a quick rundown on the A-Leagues, which when we talked about earlier on at the start of the programme, the start of the show, we talked about the glut of fixtures and all the time that really are running through this A-League uh, campaign. And at the minute in Division 1, uh, most clubs have 12 games played. I know Summerhill have to come in so a lot of the teams down the bottom but Summerhill up near the top still have to play their 12th round game they play Wolf Tones who are 5th from bottom so Summerhill might expect to win that which if they do they will go joint top with Navin and on 20 points there's 4 teams there's 3 teams get through to the knockout stages of A-League Division 1 and there's 4 teams in contention Navin and are on 20 points with 1 game left Simonstown on 19 with 1 game left Gail Column Kill on 18 with one game left and Summerhill on 18 with two games left. So whoever tops the division goes straight into the final and second and third play each other in a semi-final. So Navin and have one game left against Screen who have been struggling all year in the league So, mm. but they're now safe from relegation although they could probably still get pulled into the relegation playoff because the third place third from bottom this is complicated have you the abacus out? Uh, calculations <laughs> um, third from bottom in A-League Division 1 will play in a playoff with third from top in Division 2 so screen can still get pulled into that so they do have something to play for against the Manny's but if Summerhill were to win their final two games uh, against Gail Collinkill, which will be a job in itself, and Wolf Tones during the week, um, they'd be in with a shout of getting straight into the semi-final. But it's it's three from four. 
So O'Mahony's, Simonstown, Gail Columkill and Summerhill. What surprised me, Fergal, is that Dunboyne are there. They've had some uh, patchy form in the league. Yeah, they have six you know, wins, five losses from their you know, 12 the, the games. reigning champions. So I wonder, does that... I know they have a few, obviously, a few guys in the... Yeah, but then other clubs as well have... But they, oh, they've, they, they, they have a sizable contingent on the county more, team. They have more than their fair share on yeah. the county team at the minute. And yeah. They've been hit by injuries as well. Um, I know one of the games, they were, they were well hammered by Gail Columkill last week. I think it was 4 18 to one two, which was a massive defeat. But Gail Collinkiller, Gail Collinkiller, flying, form, yeah, yeah, really yeah. are flying. And and I think making an early call, I, I think Gail Collinkill could be the team that will win Division One. Uh, Sydney and Manalvi are already relegated, or look as if they're already relegated. Manalvi could well, do something. Yeah. They play Screen and they play Old Castle. It was always a big, going games. to be a huge jump up for Sydney, uh, especially, you know, but... Yeah, with no wins from their 11 games. Yeah. It seems They've to have undermined their, their championship as well. You yeah. would think that uh, yeah. having the experience of playing in, in Division 1 would actually strengthen them in, in, in many ways in terms of tempo and all the rest of yeah. it. But yeah. um, maybe losing, like we we spoke about this before, momentum, Fergal. If it's, it's demoralising for it's them. Demoralising, yeah. Keep yeah. Losing. Played 11 games, lost 10 of them. You know, score, yeah. Conceded... An average or conceded, you know, with everything all totted up, two hundred and thirty points. It's by far the worst in all the divisions of what has been conceded. Um, well, it's when you say by far, it's ten points worse than Oldcastle, who'd be the next worst. But um, in Division Two, Sanchestown have already secured promotion. They're true. They're back up to Division One. Uh, with one game left, or three points clear. But then they're stacked up behind them then to see who can get that second spot and will play Sainstown. St. Colin Kills, St. Pats, um, Balnebracchi, and even Dunderry would still fancy themselves an outside shout. Dunderry play Curraha in their final game. They would have to hope that uh, St. Colin Kills, St. Pats, Balnebracchi, the two out of that three would slip up in their final games. Um, in terms of relegation, it looks as if Mead Hill and St. Michael's could be doomed in that in that one, the, I know they have two games left and they're three points off safety. So they would need Bechtov to, to yeah. slip up before Bechtov would be automatically relegated. In Division 3, Castletown are absolutely running away with it. They're the only they're team, a great season, unbelievable, yeah. unbeaten in championship. Mm. 10 wins from 10 in, in the league. They've conceded 97 points in 10 games. So an average of nine point seven points, right. le- less okay. than ten points a game. Well, a good defense. On average, is, uh, conceded. A, a good defense, as we all know, is, is the basis of any the team's success. Yeah, and the, and they've racked up decent in any scores sport. as well. You know, so they're well clear. They're they're promoting and have been promoted for a couple of weeks now. They play. Uh, looks more than likely they'll end up playing Ballon Lock in the Division Three final. Um, although Ballon Lock will probably need to they play Castletown in the last game Ballon Lock so they will probably be hoping that Walterstown and Drumbarra don't pick up anything in the last game Walterstown plays St. Dalton's who uh, are mid-table and are, are a tricky opposition as well um, so it's between Walterstown and, and Ballon Lock for that other final yeah good to see uh, the, the Blacks beginning to show uh, little re- signs of revival there you know they've, they've endured a that's uh, your home club, yeah. Your well, hometown club, oh, your current residence, place, place of residence, yeah, yeah. But uh, good to see them. They've, they've they've endured a couple of very stormy years, you know, dropping down from the senior grade. Yeah, of and course, they've they've last year's minor boss, Joe Trainer. Joe Trainer, yes, of course. Was, was Joe the year before? Off the top of my head, no, last year, no, no, last he was Joe, minor Joe, boss. Yeah, yeah. Joe's in charge of Waterstown now, and yeah, so, uh, so yeah, obviously so a, a, a man, a good man in charge there, yeah. Uh, cute Northern or there, he is he has them well tuned in, and in Division Four. 
Moyla are promoted. Um, eight wins from their nine games, one Not loss. Surprisingly, yeah. Uh, doing really well, sixteen points. So they're promoted, and it's between Clannagale and Kilbride uh, to see who they'll play in the final. Of course, their the leagues have been restructured next year, so there's Division Four A and Division Four B. So I'm not really sure how promotion will work in that, but it's Moyla are in the Division Four final. And it's uh, going to be Clannagale or Kilbride that they'll face in the final. So mm. that's just a wrap up on the leagues, Jimmy, just to let people know where they are at the minute. Um, you would want an abacus to try and figure out some of the permutations that remain. But another busy weekend ahead. Um, concerts in Slane, Christy Ring Cup semi-finals in Armagh, Leinster Senior Football semi-finals in Crow Park. And then we'll... Uh, Plenty to look forward to this weekend. You'll, you'll be a busy man, Jimmy. Oh, yes, yeah, we'll be tra- traveling. So we, we hope to see you all, maybe in a, if not in Armagh, on sa- on Saturday and Croker on Sunday. Please, God. And uh, I might see you in Slane on Saturday because that's uh, where I'll be on Metallica. Saturday. Enjoy Metallica. Metallica. Looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. I'm also going to Snow Patrol on Friday night. If Good. That's some uh, variation in music taste there from Snow Patrol mm. Friday night to Metallica yeah, on yeah. Saturday. But hopefully the rain eases off. The weather's been pretty crap the last few days. But... Uh, Look at we'll enjoy it and uh, I've been Fergal Lynch, he's been Jimmy Gagan and we've been trying to talk a good game.